Wow. It's interesting how cycles work because now we're in this place where a lot of other folks are probably in a similar place. We have a historical layoffs right now. A lot of folks filing for unemployment and they may be finding themselves in similar situations where they, they don't really know what to do next. So um, taking that risk and stepping forward into uh, a frame where you might not know what's next, but you know it can't get much worse. Um, you'd be surprised what's on the other side of that jump. The Shotcast episode 21. Thank, thank you for, for joining me. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So uh, I've known you, Ashley, now for, I'd say, uh, five years since uh, since I've joined the same organization as you. And uh, I've learned a lot about you recently. I've learned even more about you that I didn't know. And I want to bring you on the show today because uh, you've experienced uh, a, a pretty uh, pretty interesting process to get to where you are today. And uh, you, you talk about failure a lot and how it's important to fail. And I think some folks get the wrong idea when they think about failure and they, they view it as a bad thing. Everything I, I read and all the successful people about failure is so important. And I know you're somebody who's been in situations from, you know, whether living in your car to doing what you're doing now, you've been through it all. So I kind of wanted you to bring uh, bring you on the show and just talk about that a little with the audience today and bring some value regarding uh, failure. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's been a crazy ride uh, over the last 10 years or so. I, uh, I'm from the Detroit area originally, and um, I finished my master's at Wayne State right in the 0809 time frame. Uh, when most folks of my age recall, that's when the recession was happening here. And okay. uh, I, I finished school just in time to not be able to find a job. And the job I did have laid me off. And uh, I, I must have sent over 100 resumes. I was living in my mom and dad's basement. Uh, I was about 25 at the time. Couldn't find a job anywhere. And um, I realized things weren't working. Like, this wasn't working. The same thing over and over again wasn't yielding me any results. And I needed to take risks. And I was at the position at that point where I didn't really have much much left to lose. Um, no job in mom and dad's basement. I was getting a divorce. It was it was pretty tough. Um, so I, I used to say what crazy a little bit, right? Uh, I gave away everything that I owned at that point, and um, I got in my car, and I drove to Phoenix. And everyone says, why, why Phoenix? And the logic at the time was that it was November, and it was getting gray and cold. And if I'm going to be unemployed and desperate, I'd rather do it in a sunny mm -hmm. and warm environment than in Metro Detroit. So uh, it was that or yeah. Florida, flipped a coin, and I wound up in Phoenix. So um, about the end of 09, and I was living in my car. Couch surfed, networked a little bit, rented some rooms, air mattressed up, and I uh, was lucky enough to find the job that became my career in February of 2010, uh, just 10 years ago last month. And um, wow. just interesting how cycles work because now we're in this place where a lot of other folks are probably in a similar place. We have uh, historical layoffs right now, a lot of folks filing for unemployment, and they may be finding themselves in similar situations where they, they don't really know what to do next. So um, taking that risk and stepping forward into uh, a frame where you might not know what's next, but you know it can't get much worse. Um, you'd be surprised what's on the other side of that jump. You, you talked about a lot of good things right there. Uh, but specifically, you said that you, you drove off on your own to Arizona. You lived in your car. You couch surfed. How long was that 
process of couch surfing kind of just trying to figure it out? Probably about 90 days or so. Um, just kind of working my social days. network. Thankfully, yeah, thankfully having gone to school, I knew a lot of folks. We knew a lot of folks. And uh, I, I wasn't afraid to say, hey, I'm out here just trying to make things happen. And uh, I was on unemployment insurance at the time. I had a little bit of money in my pocket. And um, once I got a job, I got my first one-bedroom apartment with a Phoenix address and settled in. And how did you get through those 90 days? I mean, it had to be difficult, you know, staying in your car. Did you, like, how did you stick through it? How did you find the strength to stay positive? I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of adversity, you know? It, it is. And rock bottom, that was my rock bottom. Everyone's is different. Some are more severe than others. For me, that was mine. And um, I was getting divorced, too. I was ending a 10-year relationship. So there was a lot of depression, but... Uh, the, the excitement of something new helped. And sometimes just going out and taking a, a drive or doing some sightseeing, um, looking for for other jobs, knowing I wasn't alone. Um, again, this was the recession. So um, a lot of folks in my sphere of influence or my social network were also looking for jobs. We'd all graduate together. We're in similar situations. So uh, part of it is knowing my self-worth. Like if, if you're out there and you're in a similar situation where um, you're confronting change right now, or you're confronting struggle. Uh, I knew that I w- was valuable. I knew I was smart. I had two degrees at that point. I consider myself a, a relatively intelligent individual. And, and keeping that North Star of self-worth and self-value was so important at that time. So know, like, if you're listening to this right now, assess your skills and your strengths and use those to remind yourself that whatever's going on around you that's outside of your control you can control what you bring to the table at any given time. I think that's so strong, especially for folks that are might be going through struggles right now or failures. If you know your self-worth, you should never question yourself or question your ability to succeed. For example, when, when I ran my sales company, there was a lot of times where we had you know a big line of credit, a lot of debts. We didn't know if we were going to make it. But I always told my brother, you know, give me anything and I'll sell it. It doesn't matter what I'm selling. I'm a salesperson, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I never got really too frustrated. And, you know, when things were tough, I'd get my ass out of the office and I'd take a van and I'd go start delivering things on my own and start yeah. selling on my own and showing the people the, that it's possible, you know. And that all comes from a strong self-worth and confidence. So I think that's extremely important for people to realize that it all comes from your self-worth abilities because that's what's really going to drive you through in the tough times Absolutely. which i agree with and uh you went from sleeping in the car to i know now you're making a you know a good six-figure income you're yeah. you're actually a senior director of uh, solution consulting and so now you're dealing with uh i wouldn't say failures i'd say you stopped them before becoming complete failures and you're constantly finding solutions now in a big organization billion dollar company uh, how was that, you know, fixing problems? How long have you been doing that? And how has that changed your perspective on things? I had to fail a lot to figure some things out. Um, going into a place where that's not my specialty. I'd never sold before. I'd never sold. And now I'm a senior director in a sales role. So uh, I had to get comfortable failing very quickly um, and learn the lesson that the faster I fail, the faster I learn and, and embracing failure. So um, now I lead a team that is a multi-billion dollar team whose job is to fix challenges so that we can do business uh, in these individual interactions. And um, for scalability, I often have to tell my team 
to get comfortable making mistakes very quickly. Um, if you're in a sales business, volume is important and speed is important. Of course, we want to give our clients personal individual attention and we care when we act with integrity, but we have to make decisions very quickly. And that means having knowledge about your product, whatever it is that you're selling, you need to know what you're selling, why you're selling it, why you believe in your product. And if you're in a position where you don't believe in your product, go find a different position because if you can't sell something you don't believe in. Um, but that's what my team does now is, is I, I preach to them as their leader uh, that they need to trust me. And if we don't have trust, let's figure it out quickly. Because if you can't trust me, you can't fail. I need to create an environment where my team knows it's okay to make mistakes because they're coming from a place of high integrity and care. And why is that important in team building for somebody to trust you enough to fail and admit their mistakes? That's a great question. Uh, trust is, is the fundamental uh you know, the foundation of a strong team and that hesitancy someone's going to have if they don't know that their leader or their boss has their back uh, and that it's a safe environment to make those mistakes, they're going to second guess every decision that they're going to make. And in the position that we're in, we either fix that challenge or we're the ones who communicate with our prospective clients that we can't do business anymore. There's quite a bit of pressure there to make the right decision um, but the worst decision that anyone can make is no decision. And we simply can't have that environment. And the trust creates that environment in which your team members are able to make those decisions. And you can't break that. If, you're just, if your team member makes a mistake, you have to show them the mistake, hold them accountable to learning that lesson, but let the, let the pain point go that first time. If they keep making the same mistake two, three times, then you have a, a failure to execute and a failure to learn. That's a different conversation, but you, you really have to, as a leader, control that environment to create maximum efficiency and help on your team. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest uh, opportunity for other companies uh, is that they don't have those relationships. People are scared to say they failed. People lie because they don't want to give the truth. They don't want to say they made a mistake. They don't want to say they believe in something. And I think that holds organizations back, uh, especially in these days. Uh, and organizations that you could fail comfortably on, that you could speak up in an open environment, that's where you succeed the most because I believe failure is where the growth happens. And uh, I believe that's what you believe as well. But how do you draw the line between, oh, I just got to fail to learn or I got to take my time, be patient, and try to really get things right? How do you draw the line in between uh, wanting to fail just to learn and trying not to fail at all? I think that uh, it's an individualized question. So my answer, if I was going to be a mentor to you or a business analyst for you, it would be a different answer for you than anybody else because we're all individuals and we have different ways of looking at and approaching scenarios. You have this balance of efficient and effective and everyone's going to fall on this spectrum in a different place. So it sounds like you're being very efficient with your time. You're getting your production out, whatever it is you're doing, you're making decisions very quickly but your effectiveness might be sliding. And that's why you're getting that feedback. Be a little bit more patient. Work on your craft. Work on maybe your word choice or your tone, your global communication, whatever it is. You're, it sounds like you receive feedback that you're a little bit too far on that uh, efficient side and not effective enough. We have some uh -huh. folks who are on the other side um, where they're not practicing that 80-20 rule. They're trying to get everything 100% perfect all of the time. And so while whatever they create is a, a super effective uh, material or piece of business, whatever it is, it's, it's very effective. 
But if you can only build one car a day, you're not going to be for motor company. It just won't work. So you have to find that balance. And part of it is being open to feedback. Like if you're listening to this and you're not comfortable asking people for feedback, and I don't mean asking your champion. Don't ask that person who you know you know loves you and loves your work and yeah, and they're gonna tell you yes, it's great all the time. Find mm-hmm. find a hater. And if you can find someone who's willing to tell you the God's honest truth every single time and ask them for feedback on your work, they'll let you know if it's hey, this is perfect, would have been great to have it last week. That's telling you that you're not moving fast enough and you're not risking enough. Um, or you're on the other side, like, hey, thanks for sending this and executing on this email, for example, but there's three typos in here. You probably should have slowed down. So you got to find your your balance through uh, continuous cycles of feedback, being vulnerable, and, and being willing to show people that you're making mistakes so that you can grow from them. Awesome. And I know that uh, you haven't only been in one place for the last 10 years. You've actually been through different companies. You've analyzed. You've given a lot of feedback. You've came into different uh, areas in the business and given feedback and fix broken things. And what's your approach? Uh, uh, if I told you to come to my business and check it out, or it could be a restaurant. I know that you could go to any business right now and you could analyze and give good feedback. What's your approach or what's your system or process when you go into a, a new business or a new problem? Do you have like a formula or steps that you follow every time or is it different for every scenario? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think number one is um, a lot of folks make the mistake of, when you ask me to come in here, I'm just going to tell you how it should be or what, what should be done. And, um, and the, the first step is just watching and observing. Like if, if, let's say, let's use a restaurant. They're great hypothetical. And you said, hey, I'm just not getting the, um, the traffic that I should be getting. Revenues aren't there. Uh, as a business analyst or consultant, how would you fix this? First step is just to sit in the booth in the corner and look. Is it clean? Would you, would you eat here? Man, would you eat off the table with no plate? Is it clean enough, right? Uh, what's the decoration look like? Is it inviting? Uh, how are folks' demeanor? When you walk in, are you greeted? Do you feel valued for being there? Do you feel that you spending your money there is valuable from the consumer perspective, right? What does the service turn time look like? Are you waiting for an hour for a meal? What's the quality? Is the meal cold? And as you just observe, a lot of times, and this isn't just a restaurant, in a lot of scenarios, those pain points will make themselves very obvious. So you kind of have to slow down to go fast. It looks like you're not doing a whole lot of work if you're just watching. Imagine you're like, well, I just, I just paid this woman thousands of dollars to consult, and she's been sitting in a corner for a week just watching, right? Because I'm mapping out all of the pain points of your business, be it from a cleanliness, sanitization, client service, uh, food quality, presentation, Maybe I'm looking at your building. Uh, I'm mapping out all of those pain points and starting to, to create a business plan. Then I'm getting feedback because my perception is only my perception. So maybe I'm asking your customers, hey, you, you ate here today at, at Alex's restaurant. What was your thoughts? Was the food good? Was the service good? And getting a diverse amount of feedback right from, from the customer to my ears to see, although I have my perception, the the one who matters at the end of the day is our customer. So if they're not happy, clearly they're not, because otherwise you wouldn't be hiring a consultant. Like, what is it that they feel needs to be changed? And the, the, the biggest portion is I can make you the best business plan that's ever been created of all the business plans, and I can be the best consultant. But if you are not willing to digest that feedback and do something about it, nothing else matters. 
And I've, I've seen other companies go through that. I've researched other companies. I've seen other folks in roles and I've been in roles where I can see a pain point. I can map out a plan of solution for you. But if you're not willing or, or ready, or maybe the business isn't ready or the culture isn't ready to change, if you're not willing to take that information and do something with it and execute, it doesn't really matter. So, it, mm. and that's anyone listening who says, Hey, I want to get better. Sure. If I want to get better, but do you, or are you lying to yourself? Cause I'll tell you what steps you need to take in your business. I'll tell you what mistakes you're making and what you should do to improve. But if you're not willing to do something with that information and digest it, we're all wasting our time right now. Yeah. So he says, step number one is you observe. Step number two is you get feedback because that's very important that you said that, that you're not one-sided and just looking at your own perspective. You look for others. Step number three is you come up with a plan and then the execution is most important to that plan. Yep. Which I think you could approach uh, anything in your life that you want to get better at with that same feedback. You know, for anybody out there listening. Those are a good three steps to start anywhere. Whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's your goals, your family, your relationship. That's very good feedback to start. Uh, the, the only failure that wouldn't be good is failure with intent to fail or failure with lack of integrity. Correct. Those would be bad failures. Correct. Good failure is something that's honest with good intent and you get a feedback loop on it and you try to grow and get better from it. Yeah, and if you're listening so to this I'll, and you're... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. I was just saying, if you're listening to this and you're someone who leads people, that's a list you now have to ask yourself. Do I create an environment where I have feedback loops? Do I create an environment where people have a, situa a situation or a setup where they can learn from their mistakes? If you're running a business and you don't have that way to get those outcomes and return them back to your team members or your salespeople and say, hey, this didn't go well, but let's learn from it. It's on you as the leader to build that, that infrastructure for your team. Yeah, I just ask yourself, uh, when's the last time somebody's admitted a failure to me on my team? And if you haven't heard that in a long time, I guarantee you there are people failing around you that are just not telling you because uh, it happens often. And if you want to be successful, it has to happen often so that way you can keep learning and growing. Nobody's perfect, right? I don't know that you can fail too much. Got it. And that might be crazy. People yeah. might be listening to me right now and we're like, you're crazy. You think you can't fail too much? No. I don't think you can as long as you embrace those lessons. That just means you're learning very quickly. Yeah, I mean, if you study everyone's successful millionaires and billionaires, you could read about many of their failures before they got to their success. It all started with the light bulb. How many ideas are before the light bulb? Yeah, so I think that's good. So this show is called Shotcast, and if there's one thing you could give them to walk away with, what's your shot for us? Mine, uh, go fail. Man, go. I, I told someone on my team today, I want you to get reckless. I want you to get reckless, and I promise I'll be here to pick up the pieces. Go out and try something different and innovate. Uh, communicate at a high level with those around you, but uh, do something different and, and change your business up and find that passion. And uh, I put down, find a hater. Find someone who you know wants to critique everything you do. For some of us, it's our parents. Some of us have some really critical parents. If you're listening and you come from an Italian family like me, go right to your mom and dad and ask them what you're doing wrong because they'll definitely let you know with a quickness what you're doing wrong in your life right now. But find yeah. that person and ask them for some feedback because they're going to give you genuine, brutally honest feedback about your business or your life or your priorities and take that feedback and think about what they're saying to you. We tell ourselves lies every day. We tell ourselves lies about our finances, about our business, about our health, about how we interact with those around us. So getting that um, feedback that is not sugar-coated, it's 
priceless. It's painful, but my gosh, it's so good to have that. But yeah, go fail. Go fail today. Fail tomorrow. Take those lessons and, and dare greatly. And if I fail, at least I tried. I'd, I'd rather do that than be on my deathbed someday and look back and, and think I didn't really try anything different. Let's, Get reckless. Go out there and fail. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks so much again for being on the show. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you as well. Like, subscribe, and share the channel with anybody you love. We're doing this for you.